Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 37. Today, we're diving into some amazing business insights with Sean Van Dyke. And Sean has been John's business coach since 2016. We've talked about him on the show several times. Today, we're going to be hearing his backstory, and then he drops some serious knowledge on what it takes to make the jump and create your own freedom as a business owner. Sean has been involved in the trades for over 19 years and is a husband and father of five children. After doubling the workforce and revenue as the COO of his last company, he has gone all in on his own business as a consultant for contractors and a business coach. He has worked with over 60 clients in his short time and has interviewed over 500 plus construction and small business owners. Sean is also working on two books and is a brand ambassador for fine home building. The dude is an absolute absolute beast and a wrecking ball of knowledge and we are pumped to have him on the show yes amazing episode getting going for you guys but before we jump into it uh, we do want to thank a new member that joined the mfp patron tribe this week aaron schlesser thanks a lot for joining if you want to be part of the mfp patron tribe you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit and enjoy some nice rewards over there so go check that out but without further ado let's jump into the interview with Sean Van Dyke. All right, guys. Well, we are here today uh, with somebody who has definitely been a huge impact on John's life, and I've just been getting to know him, but Sean Van Dyke. Sean, what is up, brother? Welcome to Made for Profit. Hey, guys. Thanks uh, Thanks so much for having me. When uh, when you guys started this, I was just like, man, what do I got to do? How how cool would it be if I ever got on Made for Profit? And uh, here I am. I am living the dream with John and Brad. Excited. You have, you have arrived. Uh, I don't know that that's, you know, big check on your list of all it the other things I've seen on, on your website. List. But uh. that's it. I'm done, folks. This is it. Pinnacle. <laughs> well, we're, we're very glad to have you, man. You know, you and I have a, a relationship that's been building for um, over over a year or so now. And I mean, you've dramatically changed my life. Um, and a lot of the insights we give on the show is, some, is things that you and I have discovered um, over, you know, my growth cycle and your growth cycle. And I think it's just amazing to see um, where you've come from, where you've gone. And I think that there's a lot of uh, in in in. I guess, experience and beauty in your story. So we wanted to bring it to the people. I've dropped your name. I can't even name. I can't even remember how many times on the show. So to bring <laughs> the voice of the uh, of the man who is Sean Van Dyke, you've all heard about. i um, really glad to have you here, dude. Oh, man. I'm like I said, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for thanks for inviting me on. Yeah. So, Sean, and I know obviously you and John have have, uh, you know, been talking for a long time now and and we've just started to. So. Uh, why don't you just like the, the quick background, like give us uh, the high level overview of, um, you know, what you're doing now and your little elevator pitch of of kind of what you bring to the table and what you're doing for folks. Yeah. So what I'm doing, what I'm doing now is I'm a business coach for 
folks in the construction industry, specifically uh, construction business owners, and also got work with some makers like John that are running that are running a a business where you make and create things with your hands and have to sell them, you know, sell it to clients. So that's, uh, that's all, that's all that I do. I'm just in the construction, construction industry. I really don't do any other kind of business coaching or consulting because, um, construction's, uh, construction's all I know. But as I've grown over the past couple of years that I've been doing this now, uh, uh, speaking is becoming public speaking is, uh, is a much bigger part of my business now. So I'm doing coaching and speaking and um, working on uh, working on a couple of books that uh, that I can't say too much about, but uh, getting those deals in place, and we'll have hopefully two books by the end of next year. Awesome, that's great. <laughs> Screw one book, right? Why? Yeah, yeah just, you know, <laughs> well, just well, if you're going to go through the pain of writing one, you might as well write two. <laughs> yeah, very true. And I mean, <laughs> and, and so. Um, you know, kind of how our relationship began is I've always struggled with um, the like behind the scenes stuff that goes into business. And a lot of us do. Um, and uh, a while back, I actually fell on, which might as well be a book, your paperwork punch list, which is um, a very in-depth and detailed um, PDF slash, you know, uh, book that, that you use um, in order to uh, – you know, it's like as a freebie to get people into what's called your pipeline when you're in digital business. But in order to just give out a wealth of information, and and I found you on that a few years ago, um, and it it just turned into this like, oh my god, do I know nothing? A moment for me, <laughs> <laughs> because you were uh, you were out there providing such a such a knowledgeable knowledgeable basis um, for individuals who were just getting started. Um, why don't you why don't you touch a little bit on like what the why you developed paperwork punch list. Cause I think that is um, something people would like to hear as well as like, you know, what, it, what you think it brings to the table for contractors, makers, uh, you know, woodworkers and, and people in our community. Yeah. When, when a couple of years ago, when I started writing that thing and because I had the idea, I was like, I am, no one knows me. Why would anybody engage with me? Um, because I've just, you know, I'm just a dude that's run, had a couple of construction companies and, and been an executive in a construction company and, you know, I'm just not known. So like anybody that wants to get a following, I was like, I need to put out something very valuable. And so, you know, I developed some ideas around some checklists and some, you know, some other, it's a lead magnet. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not shy at, at that at all uh, about telling that at all, but I decided, man, just like writing my other books, I'm just going to go all in instead of just delivering some high value content. I'm going to try to produce the most high value content that I can. So said instead of writing a checklist, I said, well, maybe I'll just write a book and I'm just going to answer the questions that I've been been asked from other professionals and, and just kind of what I've done is operating construction businesses. I kind of felt like I knew what a lot of contractors struggled with because they were my struggles and and they were just general business struggles in the construction industry. So I tried to just put it as much information into an action guide that I, that I could. And so I just started writing the book and I said, all right, four weeks, 28 days, here's the things, here's the things that'll get you started. If you know, if you, if you need some help. And, uh, it took me much longer to write the, write that than I, than I originally planned, but that's just the way it goes. Uh, but when, when I started putting it out there, I, got, I started getting a lot of feedback from it. Like, what's this guy up to? Because this is like really good information. And what's the catch? And I told people, hey, 
this is this is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, and people would call me all the time, like, "All right, I got your book. What's the deal?" And um, the deal is, is I want to work with you. I want you to hire me. And if this is if this is what I give away for free, imagine what you get if we get to work together. And people were kind of like, yeah, that, I guess that makes sense. I started getting clients and, you know, coaching clients and doing consulting work off of that. But that was the genesis of the paperwork punch list was, I'm pretty sure this is, this is most people, most general contractors and, and builders problems. I'm just going to put it down into a book and give it away for free and see what happens. And that's, uh, and that's an ebook. You still have that out there as a lead magnet yep. right now. Sean, so okay, so and we'll have a link below where you guys can check that out. If you go over to to Sean's site and and check that out, but just you know, like what were some of those as you're going through there and making the paperwork punch list, um, and as you started talking, you know, like you said, that's from your experience, from your own personal experience as well as what you talked with others. You know, like hit us with a few juicy nuggets out of it. Like what 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 are the things that are like blowing people's minds that they're like, holy cow, like I I never thought about it that way. Well, you know, one of the big things is uh, right off right off the bat is that you don't have to work for free. Um, customers will ask you for free estimates, but what they want is free work, a proposal, a bid, uh, you know, detailed sort of thing. And um, and I just kind of teach in the book. No, you're the you're the professional. We need to define what an estimate is. An estimate is a guess based on your experience versus a bid or a proposal, which is work. And you get paid for work. So if someone calls you up and says, hey, can I have an estimate? Yeah, tell me about your project. They give you a description. If you're a professional, you should be able to give them an estimate, a guess based on your experience. Beyond that, if they want you to do any work, then you can charge them for that. And there's a way to do that and walk them through a process uh, to, to sell so that you don't have to do all this free work. And it's a great way to qualify people. So if someone describes a $100,000 project, and that's what you think in your head. And then you ask them what the budget is. And they say, well, they have a budget of $50,000. Great. No problem. We're not going to work for you because <laughs> what you described <laughs> can't be done. So it's a great, you know, pre-qualifying thing. So that's, that's one thing. And I got a lot of flack for it. Like, oh, we'll never get any work if we, if we, you know, don't, if we don't provide free estimates. I'm like, I'm not saying don't provide free estimates, but free estimates are a guess doing the work is a proposal and there's a way that you can get paid to do the work. Um, so that's, that's kind of one of the first things in the book there is just determining your value and giving you the confidence of how to, how to go about talking with clients and, and developing your sales process. So they understand. Yeah. And that resonates, I think really well with our audience too, because we'll get that question a lot about bidding out and design work. So you know, most of our folks are uh, actually making product, you know, similar to what John's doing. I know you're familiar with that. And so, uh, well, yeah, we'll get that all the time. Like, oh, well, well, what about the design process? And if I spend two hours in SketchUp drawing something for somebody for free and then yeah, then you get to the end of the line, and they say, oh, that's great. Uh, can you do that for 500 bucks? It's like, well, no, that's going to be like three thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> right. And they just wasted two hours of their time and uh, got nothing out of it. So I think that's really relevant for for our audience as well. Yeah, a couple of a couple other things that what somebody at once asked me if I could teach only one thing to builders and makers, and I could only teach one thing, what would it be? And I just said it has to be the difference between margin and markup, it, and that is a struggle for so many people. They just don't understand it. Not because it's difficult; it's just 
particular. But once you get the relationship of cost and profit and price and how and how all that works, and you understand how that affects how that affects the bottom line, then it's life changing because so many people are leaving money on the table because they're using margin and markup incorrectly. And so I would camp out there just because it's so fundamentally important to the way you run a, you know, any, any business. Yeah, we, uh, and we, and we've gotten so many questions about the same thing. We've, I think we've done whole episodes on it. And, and the reason being is that like, uh, I'm not even kidding when I tell you guys that Sean blew my mind when we started going through the process of developing my, my, my pricing, um, into in properly setting my business up in order to function. Um, you know, Brad comes from a background of, uh, very, very long and drawn out schooling where he was able to like dominate getting an MBA and then take it into the real world. Like I didn't have that. I came from smashing my face into the ground and you like, and, and, and I mean, I remember when you were like, so, uh, tell me about your pricing. And I was like, um, 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 let me, uh, let me think yeah. on it. Cause but that's such an issue, right, with the entire industry of people in our community is that it's it's such a crapshoot and there's not really any quality information out there. And I feel like the paperwork punch list was just like this, like, boom, like, look at what you should be thinking about. And it's right in front of you. And then you made it like very executable um, as in, you you know, day uh it was a it was a daily checklist kind of thing, um, and yes, it's a, I think it's pretty specified towards contractors, but there's a lot of applicable information for you know the, our audience, and I actually do think we've got a couple contractors in our audience, and more than we actually thought originally. Yeah, I, and and I certainly have a lot of furniture makers that reach out to me and ask me a lot of questions, and it like it's just it, whether you're building something on a you know foundation or you're building it in the shop, it, like the it is a cost-based business. You got to know your costs and you got to mark those costs up, up enough to pay for your expenses and have a profit left over. That's it. Yeah. And I, I think I, uh, and I, and I think I, I touched on that. Remember Brad, we were going back and that might've been on a, on a patron after show, but talking about your, you're evaluating your previous year. Um, and that's because the one thing you've pounded in my head is that cost is, you're going to have to be a massive priority in everything that you're doing. If you ever want to run a profitable business, when everyone thinks that it's sales and revenue, when really costs will be, can honestly be what crushes you and, and closes the doors on things that are going. Um, so, you know, before we dive too deeply into that, why don't you touch a little bit on like where this knowledge comes from? Cause I think it's interesting. Um, you said like, Oh, I've owned a few businesses and Oh, I've done a few that, but eh, it's a little humbling on what you've actually done. Right. I mean, you've, <laughs> you've been through the ringer, my friend, right? There's like, there's a lot more that goes into that. Um, why don't you bring, why don't you enlighten the people a little bit with the actual path of the Sean, <laughs> the actual path. Yeah, it was, it's funny. I will say that, um, well, we'll just, we'll start back at the beginning. I got a couple of degrees in engineering, um, got a master's degree in structural engineering, thought that, that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then I realized like, I don't really actually know how to build anything. So, and that, that came in a good time. Cause then I got laid off from the engineering firm, um, I was working for. And so I was kind of scrambling around and ended up doing some project management for a commercial contractor that put me in touch with a real estate developer, eventually ended up working for him as a construction manager. And that was a, that was a lot of fun. So I was traveling the country, building large commercial projects for this developer. Um, but we had second kid on the way. 
we have five now, but second, second on the second on the way. And yeah, the whole team, um, and, uh, being on the road three days a week was very fun as a, as a young newlywed, uh, but was not great for a fa- as a father. So I quit that job and started my own construction management and real estate development company, just, uh, doing projects here locally. That was 2005, 2006, uh, then 2008 happened. There was no commercial development. The bottom dropped out of that. So I shifted from the real estate to doing general contracting for residential projects. Um, so I was, did that for, did that for a few years and then built that, built that company up just a smaller high end residential remodeling company. Then I had the opportunity, then I had the opportunity to partner with one of my subcontractors who was, who had a trim and millwork company. And he basically took me out to lunch one day and very typical, what I see, what I call the craftsman led business model, extremely talented craftsman was growing a a great reputation, did wonderfully high end work here in the Knoxville area. But he said, I suck as a business owner. And I, and I said, yeah, you do. I didn't know he was interviewing me for a job. I said, yeah, you do. Because he was one of my subs. And I said, you're you know, your invoices are late, your schedules are wreck, your quality, I can sell it all day long. That's not a problem. When you got when your guys get on site, it makes my job very easy. Everything else sucks about your business. And, it, and he said, <laughs> he goes, well, do you think it's stupid to bring somebody in and hire them to run the business so I can just focus on being in the field? I said, no, people do that all the time. They're called CEOs or CFOs or directors of operation, you know, whatever. That's, that's probably a very wise thing for you to do. And he said, all right, well, why don't you do it? And I was just like, no, nah, I got my own thing going on. Um, and he's a very, very good salesman. And what I realized is I had a small construction company with a couple of employees. And now I had the opportunity to go test out all of the things that I had brought over from my engineering and, and real estate development and business side of things to a growing company that was, that looked to, you know, double in size and, and, just had the opportunity to test all of these things out on a larger scale. And so I said, okay, I'll do it. And didn't even know if he had the money to pay me. Cause I mean, there were no numbers. They were an absolute wreck. Um, so was there, went over, went over there and yeah, things just kind of took off and I started applying these things at a larger scale. We doubled the size of the company, both from employees. We had started with eight guys when I joined and, by the time I left four years later, we were up to 20, 21 people, doubled the size of the revenue and got the business out of debt. And for the first time, the, the owner was making a, the actual salary that you should be making uh, when you have a multi-million dollar company and, and, um, and running, you know, 20 employees. So it was, it was a lot of fun, but it was a lot of work. But then through that, I just realized okay, I think that I can help out other people. These things are proven. Now I had them in my business. They can scale and people just saw what we were doing there at that company. And I just got more questions just from within the community of people that I knew. And so I decided, all right, maybe I need to make a change. And about that time in 2008, my wife was diagnosed with MS. And so health stuff has always been been on our radar. And, um, in when was that 2016, uh, the news is never good with MS. It just, it progressively gets worse. So we were just kind of, you know, used to that, 
Um, but in 2016, she had one particular scan that came back and we were just, I was just like, that's it. What, what is, you know, life is more than work. So I need to find a job or create a job that I can be around to take care of my family a little bit more, have a little bit more freedom. But then I hit this wall was like, oh, but I don't know how to do anything except construction. And no one's going to pay me for that. You know, I mean, I know what that looks like. And so kind of really struggled with that a little bit. And then one day just had this epiphany that, uh, and I was brushing my teeth and I realized I was just looking at myself in the mirror. I realized it was, it had been like 19 years since I graduated college just a couple of years ago. And I was like, holy crap, 19 years since I graduated from undergrad. And all I've done <laughs> is stuff in the construction. Maybe I know what I'm doing. And that was a moment which I just realized like the number crunching, the business stuff and all of the things, you know, and I'd had the, I wore the tools for years. Um, I just realized that what was general knowledge to me was probably expert knowledge to someone else. And I could put it out there and probably create a business just on my experience and what I knew. And so that's kind of where the, how do I do that? Well, maybe I should write a book or something. And that's kind of, that's kind of where it, you know, uh, it all started. And just like any business, it was a hustle. It was a side hustle. I was writing the book while it's still, you know, still working my other job, 60 hours a week and growing this company. And, and, um, but it was, it was fun. I could, I, I really could tell when I started to organize things that, man, this is, I like this, this is going to be fun to be able to teach people, um, this kind of stuff. And then just one, it just takes one client. Started with one, then you get another one. You get those, <laughs> hopefully you get, you know, you give them so much value and you do so much work for your earlier clients than you do. Um, uh, just cause you're just trying to get this thing off the ground. You burn, you know, <laughs> so what we say is that a rocket during, during takeoff burns a lot of fuel. You want to get to orbit where you can kind of cruise a little bit more. And so, uh, I feel like I'm still in those early stages of, of burning, burning rocket fuel, but it's a lot of fun cause we're going a thousand miles an hour. So what, that's an awesome story, uh, Sean, and just like hearing the progression through there as, as you started kind of doing that side hustle and transition, you said around 2016, uh, how long was that period? Did you, you know, was that a, a, a flick of a switch or, you know, you said you were working still the day job. How long did that go on before you were like, all right, I got to give this my all or, or did, you know, did you wait until you hit that tipping point? How did that work out for you? Cause I know that's a big thing with a lot of our listeners is they're doing the side hustle and they're that question is in their mind of when do I do it? And depending upon their, you know, adversity to risk um, <laughs> or willingness to to jump off the the ledge that, uh, you know, that that timing can be more or less with some folks. So for you personally, how did that look? Yeah, uh, for me personally, it was, you know, pe people will ask me about my story and sometimes I'll tell them, I'm like, I, I don't know if you really want to know, like. Being able to take the leap, <laughs> it, 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 it came because we had no other choice. I mean, with my wife's disease and five kids and, you know, um, the, the medical bills were piling up and the job that I had just didn't, just didn't pay enough to cover, to cover all of that. And, um, and then my, my son, my oldest son needed braces. And I don't know if you've got kids in braces, but Whoo! It is uh, not yet. I go. I I take them in the in the shop every now and then. And I just use the crescent yeah, wrench and yeah, we just <laughs> we tweak yeah. it down a little bit. Just I'm I'm trying to head it off at the pass before we get there. Yeah, but but taking that leap, it, it 
it's it people say oh my gosh i can't believe you did that you quit your job with five kids and all that kind of stuff and it's just like it's like you want to know how to do that with like gusto and with like fervor is you got to get low you got to be i mean people would say you know i'm not I, I would say i wasn't risking anything right it was when you don't have anything uh, right and so i think that that's that the safety and security that some people feel um you got to figure out a way to make it desperate. Right. And sometimes, and I heard this quote and I I wish I could remember where I heard on a podcast or whatever, saying you will always keep taking tiny steps towards the edge of the cliff, but eventually you got to jump. And that's the only time you'll spread your wings, right? You're not going to spread your wings while you're still on solid ground. But when you take that leap, that's when, that's when the, you know, that's when you get movement. That's when things happen. So for me personally, it was just like, all right, I got nothing less. I nothing left. I got to do something uh, to make a change. So I did what a lot of my clients have to do. I hired a business coach because I didn't know any of this, how to develop a coaching business. Um, and so I used, I, I borrowed and scraped together money to hire a business coach. And my business coach said, you know, when I told him what I wanted to do or what I was thinking about doing, I had this idea of you know, being a consultant and blogging for a couple of years and building up credibility and authority. And he's the one that said, no, 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 no. What's your most valuable piece of information? Write it down and give it away for free. And you can probably have this business where it's sustainable uh, in six months. And I was like, you're a crazy person. I just wasted money on a crazy person. But I was just too dumb to know any better. So I just did exactly what, what he told me to do. And you know, again, I, this sounds like tooting my own horn, but John, John will tell you, and he said it on the podcast before, getting outside of your comfort, hiring a coach, hiring a mentor, somebody that's been there and done that, that can help you avoid all of the mistakes and the hurdles and can put you on a path. That was it for me. Um, we scraped together money that we didn't have. I hired a coach and I just followed his plan. And there was nothing magical about it other than it was just the plan. But that we had a convert, my wife and I had a conversation about that was kind of the leap moment for us because I knew if we were successful, then I would be leaving my job. Um, so that wasn't really the leap for me. It was really coming up with the money to hire this business coach. And she just said something that I still, you know, I will never forget. We kind of ran out the numbers and she just said, um, it doesn't make sense on paper, but if not now, then when? And I was like, you're right. We got to do it now. We're, you know, and, and again, this sounds very, very weird to say, but we had, we have the fortunate blessing that we're very aware of every day that we have because of my wife's health. So mm. we just don't waste a day, not a day, you know? Um, and so when she said that, like, I just said, yep, let's go. Let's do it. We spent the money, started working the plan. And then we, you know, I had this grand idea at the end of 2016 that I was going to leave after I'd gotten a speaking gig. And I said, okay, I'll come back and I'll quit my job, you know, after that. But then I was like, oh, I don't want to be that guy. Take, you know, take a week off of vacation from your employer and then come back and quit. <laughs> right. So I said, all right, I'll quit before I'll put in my notice before then. And then within a, you know, 12 hours later, it, it accelerated to, you know, I think I need to go quit. I need to put my notice in now. And this was months, you know, I probably had, by this time, I probably had three clients when I, when I left my job. Um, but then it just blew, it, it just blew up from there because I was spreading my wings, man. I could dedicate all of my time to this thing 
And when I did that, it just it just took off. I think it's uh, I think it's amazing to hear um, the mindset and and how uh, you were putting all your ducks in a row essentially before you got to that point where you literally have to jump off the cliff. Um, and and I get a ton of ton of actually direct messages and questions and emails personally about that stuff because I talk a lot about mindset and I talk a lot about um, you know not controlling what you can control and making sure that. Uh, your your willpower is pointing in the right direction towards the things that you want out of out of certain circumstances, and which is I think is uh, I think is interesting is because I was um you know Brad and I had become good friends when he was making this exact same thing and it was very very similar you know as having all of your ducks in a row and just being ready and like same same kind of comments coming out where like. I cannot wait to have all of my time dedicated to this and, you know, like um, making sure that, you know, the numbers made sense here, but like eh, maybe not here. And it was kind of like, screw it. And, you know, like you said, it, it, <laughs> it may not look good on paper, but if not now, then when? And, um, you know, I know, Brad, you had your uh, whole concept of working for yourself built around your 40th birthday. Like that was a milestone for you. And, uh, and Sean, I think it's amazing. Cause I don't know if we ever had this conversation of you just jumping all into the business, um, in that moment. And I know a lot of our listeners are kind of teetering right now. They're looking and listening to their, their, uh, their worlds. And they're like, you know, when is a good time? And honestly, it, it like, I think you touched on it. It has to be on you. Like it has to be that moment when you're like, is, is now the only time I'm ever going to be able to do this? Like, is life pointing in this direction? And I think you can find those moments in whenever you're looking for them. Um, but there'll be like a glaring time. Like you had your moment in the mirror. I know for me personally, I, I had actually broken up with a girlfriend and was just like in the dumps. And I was like, screw it. I'm dumping everything in this basket. And if I fail, I'll pick myself up again. Um, I, I love that you're in such a different scheme of like what most of us are doing, but that mindset is extremely consistent, um, going from, you know, being hands-on in the field to, uh, jumping into the digital space and building a business. Like, I mean, cause you had to learn the whole process of building an online business. I know that cause I've, I've been through it with you for a lot of it. And, uh, and that's, and that's a lot of what a lot of people are like, oh my God, I don't know, you know, how to run and function a real quote unquote, manufacturing or furniture production kind of business, because I come from X background. Um, you know, I talked in my workbench con um, class about coming from football to this, like, I didn't know anything about this. Yeah. Then and then you, I mean, you're coming from something completely different to now, but you could find parts that work. Um, you know, Brad was a mechanical engineering background. Um, and now he's a blogger and an online content creator, like, they're so different, but I'll, you shouldn't have that kind of um, shouldn't have to be scared to get into it. And I love that aspect um, of, of your story. And it gets me like fired up knowing that all of us have that in, in common. And when you make that jump, like, man, does it feel good, right? Like you have five kids, like Brad has multiple kids. Like I have, I don't have any, I'm, Brad, is, Brad is three. Brad is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like the multiple. Yeah, multiple. multiple. We have, once you get above one, it's just multiple it's, in John's yeah, mind. It's just multiple. It, for, yeah. Yes, for me, there's one kid or uh, army multiple. of kids. <laughs> but like uh, a lot of people are hesitant to get into business for themselves because of those factors. And I love that both of you at what seems to be a little bit later stages in your lives made that decision and and went all in on it. Um, and I think a lot of our audience, you know, it's reassuring for them. They're in this moment right now. You know, if you had a piece of um, anything that you could take from where you went from, you know, your previous life to where you are now um, and, and getting there, you know, like, like tell the people, I guess, dive into it a little bit more, because I think that that is an extremely consistent topic we get a lot on the show. 
Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's just, you know, you hear a lot about failing fast and, and failing up and those are, those are good, but, but no one ever talks about like, it still hurts. That, that failure still hurts every single time. But when you realize like, that's just what it is, like you, especially in football, I, you know, when we talked early on, you're like, I'm going to be the greatest uh, client for you because it's beat and repeat. Just tell me what to do again. And I just love that. I was like, yeah, beat and repeat. And that's what this entrepreneurship thing is. It's you are going to get beat down and it's going to hurt. Um, and I think that people get, they hear the fail fast and, and fail upward and all that kind of stuff. But what they need to hear is like failure sucks and it's painful, but like you can get used to that pain. It's the same pain that you do when you're, you know, when you're out on the practice field, when you're doing any kind of athletic thing, when you get dumped by a girl, whatever, like it's going to be there. There's no avoiding the pain. Don't be scared of the pain. Um, but it's going to, you know, it's going to make you stronger. And there's, there's some things that are going to break you too. Right. So, so avoid those. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that, I think that, that failure is painted too soft of a picture. Um, it sucks, but it's not the end, man. It can be where it is. There is somebody out there that's got it 10 times worse, hundred times worse than you do. And, uh, and they're out working you and they're out hustling you. Um, not to, not to beat anybody down by that, but just, that's what we realized is like, people will talk, you know, and they'll hear our story and five kids and wife with the disease. And, oh, she just had cancer last year. She got over that or, you know, is recovering from that. And people just, they compare themselves to that. And they say, well, we could never do that. I'm like, dude, we, we aren't struggling with other things. I don't know how people, you know, drug addiction or infidelity or, you know, all of these other things to us that are just like, whoa. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think it's just, just being prepared for that pain. And there's no way that you're, there's no way that you can uh, deal with it other than going through it, but just realize, man, you're going to, it's, it'll be better. And for me about the, you know, the job stuff, I was just like, man, I've had 10 or 12 jobs by the time I, you know, started doing this. I knew I can always go out and get a job. That was my safety net. I can always go out and get a job. And I even told my wife, I said, if I have to, I'll go, stock lumber down at Lowe's or Home Depot, like I'll go work. I'm not worried about that. Um, what for me, the driving force was like freedom. Can I create this freedom for my family? So you got to figure out it, it, the business and the passion. Um, and I know there are a lot of passionate people out there. You got to get beyond that. Like you got to really get to the core because the business at times is going to suck and it's going to, it, you know, you cannot control market conditions. You cannot control the economy. You can't control the weather. All of these things are going to affect, you know, what you do. Your passion, when you turn your hobby into your job, your passion will fade. You will be like, when you turn your hobby into a job, it, I got this from a, a guy that, that I went fly fishing with, a, a guide. I was like, man, you have the best job in the world. You get to fly fish every day. And, and he was just like, nope. I turned my hobby into my job, man. And it's, <laughs> it's work like everything else. Like, so passion will get you started, but it's, it's that core thing that's deep in your heart. That's going to keep, because the business is going to go through a cycle and your passion is just going to turn into your job. And you got to know in your core what that is and just be ready for that and, and say, this is, this is my sole focus. 
you know? Um, and so for me now, it's like, I am, I feel like, and I know from clients, I'm starting to make an impact. Um, and that means that, I mean, that just means the world to me. I'm, I'm changing, I'm helping people change their lives. And, um, cause I know what it, what it was like for me. So, you know, for us, what's at the core is just, I want to be able, I want to be able to have the ability to work wherever I want, help as many people as I want and take care of my family all at the same time. And I'm doing that. And so people ask me, Oh, how are you going to grow the business? How are you going to scale and all that? And I'm like, that'll all come in time. I'm very content with what I got going on now. And I'm working more than I ever have in my life, but, um, it's just, just living the dream. I, I love that, that vein of conversation, Sean, because I, you're right on. I think there's this, there's this just kind of innate romanticism, right? About, about doing what you want to doing your passion for your full-time job. So I think there's a lot of woodworkers out there in, in the same way. I was like, Oh man, this would be so awesome. And not necessarily, you know, woodworking, but for me, for the content side and making and sharing versus making commission work. And I was like, yes, like this is going to be the best thing ever. And I'd heard people say that though. I'd heard people say, Oh yeah. You know, when you turn your hobby into your job, uh, or your passion into your your job, like it just becomes, it just takes a little bit of that edge off of it, right? And it's not the best thing in the world. And I love that relation to the fly fishing because I'd, I'd still think, I'm like, oh, well, that's just because we're working with our hands. But no, this could be also, you know, cast in a reel. Uh, and yeah, I mean, same thing, like as I got into it, so I'm now about eight months into it full time uh, and, you know, came out of the gates, exactly like you said, I was like, man, this is so awesome and I love it. And then it's like all of a sudden, you know, after I've answered the 30th email for the day uh, and have like a phone call every single day, right? I hadn't gotten my stuff in line because I I had this kind of process as a side hustle where I think in a side hustle, it's it's really easy to compartmentalize everything because you've got limited time. You know, you're working a 50 hour day job, you've got your family to take care of, and then you're carving out the time. And so you're super efficient. And for me personally, when I when I got that freedom, uh, with the freedom came a bit of like, oh, like I got to be better organized with this time that I have because by necessity, I was organized in the side hustle because it was like, all right, I'm, you know, I get home from work. Uh, I hang out with the family between six and eight or eight thirty, uh, then put the kids down for a half hour, hang out with my wife. Mm -hmm. And then from nine to midnight, I'm in the shop and I'm just busting my hump because I know. And then that's just like same thing, beat and repeat, like every single day. I basically work from, you know, nine to midnight or one a.m. And then all of a sudden it's like I put the kids on the bus at eight thirty and then it's like. Oh, I'm going to go grab a Mountain Dew and then I'm going to, you know, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to get a little workout in because that hadn't worked out. And for and all of a sudden, you know, it's like this thing where, where uh, all of a sudden your time goes and then all the nuances because you're growing the business. There's a lot of back office stuff involved in emails and conference calls and invoicing and all those things uh, that that we that are good, but you have to manage them. So I think I, I really like that about, uh, you know, thinking about it and the root of it. And I think it's interesting what you said also, John, about, uh, you know, Sean and I stories, although, you know, very different, have some commonalities. And I think a lot of people who do it later in life, um, I think, the you know, you're, you're hitting on what you're hitting on, Sean, is like the why. Right. And it's like I think the why, like the passion drives you for that launch, but the why drives your business. And that's something that uh, that Bob Claggett uh, talks about. And, and I, I really resonated with as well. And, and I've, you know, he's a friend of mine. We talked and that was one of the things he told me is like, 
know your why, because the passion's only going to get you so far. And then when you, whether when you're taking on new business or when you're, you know, whatever you're making a business decision, the why is what's going to be that, like that filter that you put it through. And the why for me, and it seems similar to you, Sean, is like the family, like mine was free time and I wanted to be with my family and I can always stay at my job and make a ton more money and be, uh, you know, have the insurance and the corporate job and all that stuff. Um, but I was always locked down and I had a little, little time with my family. So, you know, I think it's just really cool to hear. And I think, you know, for folks who have a family, that's a lot of the times what I hear, like, that's the why. But for, you know, for single folks, maybe the why is just your freedom and being able to travel two months out of the year or something like that. You know, maybe there's other things, but I think it's that, that core why is what helps drive you after the passion. I just, I, I love hearing that resonate even for you. And, and obviously in your situation, you know, with, with time being such a premium, I mean, that that's uh, just a perfect example of it. Yeah. But I mean, I think it goes for anybody, you know, whether you have a family or you're young or you're old and have a family or you're single or whatever, if I just really think that um, you're whatever it is, it's got to be about something other than you. Like it starts as the product. It starts as the building. But if you're successful in creating that and selling that thing, whatever it is, if your passion doesn't become about people, whether it's your employees or your customers, then you're just making tables, man. And there's that's that's just like that's just like the corporate executive that is trapped in a job. You know, you're just making tables. You're just doing cutting boards. You're just doing that thing because it's not outside of you and your hands. And so I think that if you can identify, you, you got to go deep in order to get big, to have that big vision. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle, especially starting out, is they don't have a big enough vision. And when they do take a leap, they realize all that effort. They get to those goals pretty quickly. And then they're like, well, what's next? And it wasn't, mm. and it wasn't big enough, you know? And so for like, when, when I decided my wife and I decided to do this and take this leap, it didn't come because I was like, I've got an idea about this construction consulting and business coaching business. It was, we wanted to travel and see the Grand Canyon and hike in the Grand Canyon before my wife lost the ability to do that. Like that was our why. And, and so we were like, okay, how do I make that happen? I was looking at other things before even again, I didn't realize, you know, my knowledge or whatever. So that's why I would just give people advice is like, if you're, if you've got this side, you know, side hustle going on, then get a really big why. And I can almost guarantee that why should have nothing to do with whatever that business is. It shouldn't have nothing to do with what your passion is because your passion will change. Your passion will change into work and you got to have something bigger. But if you can, if you can, um, if you can find out what that bigger thing is, then uh, and then you got to bounce that off, you know, especially if you're single or whatever, you got to find a friend or somebody that's going to challenge you on that and say, hey, is that big enough when you get there? Because you will get there when you take that leap and spread your wings and 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 you, those goals will change or whatever. But you're going to you're going to meet those goals. And I just want you to you know, that's what I see a lot of people is that the vision isn't big enough when the vision gets bigger than the uh, motivation gets more concrete and executable. And uh, there's just no question, like in order to get a big, you know, a big goal, we got to do some big things. 
and attempting big things gets you a lot of little small successes. And that drives your business much further than trying to get, you know, shooting for smaller goals and trying to have, you know, um, you know, very specific wins along the way. I think that's amazing because it, it's it's so applicable to all of our lives. One, but two, um, a lot of the um, the people listening in the, in that you know I'm constantly harping the concept of selling one thing for ten grand over mm-hmm. ten things for a thousand bucks. And I mean that's because you ingrained that in me. You're like John. Listen, if you don't want to sell cornhole boards, <laughs> stop selling cornhole boards. And I was just like but I can't, but I can't like, how am I going to pay my bills and blah, blah. And you're like, it will come. If you set everything up in order to get to the point where your business is going to be flourishing with larger scale product, your business will only make large scale product. Like you don't have to do all of the little things that go into it. And I'm not saying we didn't, we didn't in no way worked is like, okay, just dump everything yeah. now and make, you know, big stuff because that, that wasn't the case, but it was setting up to where, you know, I, I wasn't marketing anymore towards smaller batch items and I wasn't doing any of the, um, any of the work that I felt like was a time suck compared to a, a profitable business endeavor. And, um, and, and I think what you were touching on with the, um, with the big picture and and shooting big when you're going all in on your business is even applicable in the you know deliverable uh i guess operations of how your business is going as well like it's not just a mindset thing it's a uh, functionality of your day to day like you have to be thinking much bigger than you are um with with what you're doing right now and we have a lot of listeners that make small batch items and i think that's fantastic but if you want to run for the hills with your you know with your spear out um and guns blazing that you can't be doing that with tiny little you know needles you you have to be running up there with with big hopes and dreams and i think it's more accessible than people think right like i know you deal with a lot of clients who don't think that they're capable of getting to certain places but um but once your mind's there man it's it's your like whole life starts to uh, like form towards that, you know, like that big goal or that big vision or that business that you want. Um, And and I think that that's like amazing. Uh, And, and, and I know you go through that a lot with your clients, right? That's something that's like, (laughs) we used to go back all the time. Like John, just stop doing it. Like stop with the cornhole boards. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, please. Although, you know, yeah. Although my wife keeps asking about like, Hey, can I buy another cutting board or whatever from John? I'm like, no, I don't let him make those anymore. I don't know. You can't get on his website, stop ordering stuff. Um, no, but, but what I want to say, you know, about that big, big plans and big vision. And, um, as I saw, you know, I read another quote, I think it was, uh, I'm going to probably get this wrong. I'll let you guys research it. Um, it was either Eisenhower or it was Patton that said, um, something, something to the effect that, plan, you know, in the midst of war, uh, plans are useless, plans are useless, but planning is indispensable, right? So when you, when you put those big lofty goals and, you know, um, Jim Combs calls the big, hairy, audacious goals, when you put them out there, it forces you to do the planning, the plan, the plan will change. Life happens. But when, when I work with my clients and say, okay, we want to, you know, what do you want to achieve? Where, where do you want to get those results? Let's set those big targets out there and work our way back. And the working way back is the planning. And as things change and the plan doesn't come to fruition, then you still rely on the planning, the method, you know, to be able to change. And that's, that's where I feel, that's where I see a lot of people get stuck is, oh, we didn't hit this goal. Well, 
at what point did you realize you weren't going to hit it? Right. Change the plan. Right. Go through the planning again. And that's one thing back on like the margin and markup and the math of your business. So I love to teach my clients that because it's math. You only have to learn it once. The math doesn't change. And once you get that under your belt, then your business will be different because you just have to keep applying it, the beat and repeat sort of thing. So that's the planning part. It's like, hey, our business changed. All right, let's just reapply the math because the math doesn't change. We just got to apply it to different numbers or a different situation. And that's where I think that being prepared to change the plan because it won't matter as much as the planning and setting those, you know, setting those big goals. So if someone's, you know, making small batch items, great, you know, do that. But like, how did, how does it get bigger? And it, 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 people always say, you know, scaling up, you know, some people don't want to scale. They, they're very happy with where they are. They don't want to turn their hobby into, you know, into a business. They just want to, they do want to make it a really great side hustle. Then I just say, okay, how do you, how do you get the maximum value out of that? Whether it's time or money, like figure, figure, be the guy that can make, I don't know, uh, 10 tables and not cut into his kids soccer games and time with the family or whatever and batch that stuff. Right. And just, and get real happy, get real happy there. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that's the other part of it is that uh, we hear a lot of that too, is like, do you know, do, do people want a lifestyle side hustle, right? Where it's just like putting some extra coin in their pocket, uh, but it's not, not becoming that job uh, or do they want to take it to the next level? But like, so when, what's your biggest, as you've talked with with so many clients now you know over the past uh two years or so um you know what's what's one of the things that you see holding people to back are there any like through lines where you're like oh yeah this is it's typically you know what keeps people from kind of taking that next step and and getting into this path of setting the big goals and and getting on the path to to freedom and bigger things with the business. I, I think right now, and this, this will probably a, apply to most, you know, like construction companies a little bit different, but even though John, John went through this as well as he brought on employees is, and I put a, uh, put something out on Instagram a few weeks ago about this, but um, a lot of times folks will, they, they hire below their abilities. Meaning we start a business we, we get busy, we get some clients and things start to pick up. So we, we need some help, right? Nothing wrong with that. That's natural progression. So we hire help and, and that help usually is, is someone that, uh, technically or otherwise is below our ability. So we're training them and they're learning from us. But as, as you get help, now you're able to produce more, maybe, you know, you're become a little bit more efficient than a lot of, a lot of construction business owners will start going back to that model of hiring more help, right? And so it requires more of their time. So your abilities, if you imagine your abilities are, are your ceiling and most people hire below the line, that line of your, your abilities. And when the sooner that people, especially business owners can hire above the line, meaning they hire someone better than them, maybe it's someone better than them technically uh, in the, you know, in their trade or certainly better at the office stuff, at the administrative stuff, at the operational lever, level, having the ability to hire above the line will, will grow your business way faster. And that's exactly what, what the owner at the Trim and Millwork company did you know, for, for himself. And he saw you know, his business double as he said, I suck at this. I'm capped at my abilities on the administrative side. I got to hire above the line. 
And um, the sooner that people can identify where that line is and hire people and bring them on, um, I, I say, uh, you know, below the line, you get some help. Above the line, you get some freedom. And that, that is a huge, huge factor right now in a lot of, a lot of construction companies because of the, skilled, uh, of the skills gap. And it's just so hard to find technical people. Um, and so, you, you know, you're, I realize it's, it's, it's hard, but you gotta, you gotta do that. That's, that's the fight. That's what, that's where you're like, man, I just wanted to build tables and furniture. And now it's like, I'm running the human resources department. Yep. That's exactly right. You got to hire people. You got to <laughs> fire people. You got to give them an employee handbook and write policies. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, I just wanted to get in the shop and make sawdust. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, a whole other ball game. And I, and I've not been there and I don't ever plan to go there necessarily from the building perspective, but lots of back office stuff for me. Right. And so whether it's, um, and, and for me, you know, and actually a great example of it actually is the, is the podcast. We just hired on an editor yeah. for the podcast and we absolutely went above the line and that it's so instead of like, it was more of like, Hey, here's how we like it to sound or here's how I like it to go together. But, you know, the guy that we brought on uh, does this as a day job. I was doing like I just figured, you know, I, I watched 20 hours of YouTube and now I'm an expert at, at yeah. editing podcasts. Please, please right? tell me this guy came in and was like, yeah, you're an idiot. You got to do it like and he can do it so much faster. Right. And he's you know, he's a pro. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, oh, he's like, OK, yeah, we're just going to do this. And uh, and yeah, so this is uh, three or four weeks now that we've been doing it. And now it's just kind of like yeah. autopilot and I go and, and let it go. And it's it's a lot easier to do um, versus because I didn't have to do any, you know, I, like you said, I didn't have to do any training. It was more like preference. Right. Yeah. So, and I'm sure it'd be the same way if somebody came in like, well, I don't know. Do you, do you like to have your, you know, the, the joints on this side, you know, do you like your rails longer than your styles or your styles longer? Like, you know, what does that look like? And why well, I'd like you to do it like this. And then boom, they just knock it out. So I can totally relate to that from the back office side too, which I think a lot of, you know, again, a lot of our listeners are probably in that same situation um, where, you know, a lot of them are working out of their garage. So probably not going to bring somebody on, uh, on a side hustle into their shop right now until they grow. But there's a lot of ways that people can help them out, whether it's bookkeeping, invoicing, uh, social media, website development, all those different things, because we all have, uh, you know, at least most of us have the Superman syndrome and we want to do it all of ourselves. And we're like solopreneur. Yeah. Like we take that to heart and that means that we do everything. And that's, that's not Yeah. Well, great. John, I mean, John, you, you went through that, right? We, we kind of walked through that where it's just like, I was like, brother, you can't do all of this. And in fact, because you can run the business and you can do sales and you've got the name, we got to get somebody in the shop that you can just hire to do the work. And, you know, we went through a couple of guys and some guys were better than others and, you know, some different situations, but, um, but that's what I'm saying. You just did, you know, we didn't give up and now it's, you know, it's working out. Yeah. And uh, I think um, one piece of advice that I give to a lot of people asking about the hiring process that you kind of taught me was um, you have to define that process first. And I think that goes back to where you were talking about um, in the plan, in the planning. The planning is the process. You know, what happens is the outcome or quote unquote, the plan is going to happen regardless, but you have to be able to go back to the process or the planning part of it and then and make 
uh, decisions from there. So we we sat down and saw what gaps there were in my business as well as what I was best at. And I think that's where a lot of uh, young you know business owners and people that want to start hiring need to do more of is where are you going to flourish the best? It could be in the shop physically creating what you're doing. It could be on site managing the client or it could be in the sales aspect of it. But you need to clearly define that and hire help that is capable of, you know, um, performing at a high level. And there's, so there's no drop off when it comes to it. And, and, you know, those are standard hiring processes, um, that are going to have, you know, the percentages. And if you could get into the numbers for hours on, on that type of thing, but in its like simplest form, I think you nailed it is that if you want to be focusing on what you're best at, you have to hire somebody who's capable of doing the other aspects at a high level and not just say, you know, I need a minimum minimum wage um, shop help to come in and do minimum wage work like that. That, I think, is a um how a lot of us look at it. And it's the same kind of issue Brad and I had. It's like we tried to find editors before um, and we were just looking at, you know, guys and girls that were out in like the kind of the pool of people on the internet. Um, and we threw some teasers out there and we're like, man, these, <laughs> this is crap. And yeah. like, well, that's the result we got. Um, and then we went, well, you know, light clicked and we're like, why don't we hire somebody that's actually a pro and Brad made a great reference and we've had amazing results. I think that happens with a lot of businesses. And I think that's something, um, the beautiful from the whole concept of, you know, below the line, you get some help and above the line, you get some freedom. Um, and, and that is, I think that's brilliant because we're all looking for freedom, right? You work for yourself in order to create, uh, the life you want. You don't work for yourself in order to make yourself more. Miserable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the, the, so the, and I think the difference between the below the line and the above the line, and I've talked about this before and not to be religious, but I'm a spiritual, spiritual person. Um, whether you believe, you know, in God, universe, whatever, that's fine. But faith is a business skill. Like at a certain point you haven't done this thing before and you don't have enough information, you've gone through the plan, but you just don't have that wisdom. And you've asked people and they've helped. But again, back to that leap part, there's that gap in between. And you just got to understand to be a successful business owner in any business, you have got to be able to develop your faith, knowing that it's going to be okay, or we will get it worked out without having all of the answers. And successful business owners have that as a skill. Like you can see it daily when stuff goes wrong in the shop and you just burn through $2,000 worth of material, right? Your employee is freaking out and they're scared that they're going to lose their job. And you just realize that's okay. We'll get it. We'll get it taken care of. I don't know where the money will come up, come from, but we got to get this product out or whatever. And you just have the ability to move on and have faith. Faith is a business skill. And, um, and there's no other way to develop that skill but making a thousand decisions a day and not getting stuck on any one of them because that's really your job as the as owning any size of business is your ability to make decisions and go forward with those with those decisions and not let them hamper you that's why certain people and this is not a this is not, if you're an employee, I want you to be a great employee and not everybody wants to be a business owner or entrepreneur. And that's great. But that's one of the biggest things that I see between owners and employees that it's very difficult for owners to understand because they think that their employees think like them. And I'm, and I say, they do not, they, they, they would be paralyzed 
if they had to make the decisions that you have to make and you're not even aware of the decisions and the faith that you put into people and things every single day. That's why they don't want to run a business. They just want a job. And there's nothing wrong with that. You need, you know, you need people to do that. But helping business owners realize that they have this unique gift and this talent, or if they, if they haven't really developed this sense of making decisions, moving on, knowing that the planning will come back around. Like you said, the process, the process will solve it. This will got it beat and repeat sort of thing. But like the ability, the ability to make decisions, go forward in faith and know that you'll figure it out is what separates very successful business owners from those business owners that are stuck. They get stuck with the just myriad of decisions they have to make every day. And it's, and it's stressful and it sucks. But if you can develop that skill, then you're going to grow a lot faster. Now, Sean, and we'll start wrapping up here, man. I, I want to just like keep talking <laughs> forever, but you got some great information. But one of the things I think we wanted to also get and hit on was um, uh, just as you've been in the space in the digital marketing and online marketing uh, and, and just seeing, you know, how that interacts with kind of the hands-on business, uh, you, you know, what trends do you see coming out? We've, we uh, just hit a big episode on Instagram. We got tons of changes in Instagram and social media. Uh, we have all th- kind of things going down with, you know, new apps coming out and, and everything, you know, from your perspective, uh, what trends do you see? Or is there anything like on the horizon from an online marketing and online business perspective that, um, that we should be looking out for that or that people need to keep their eye on? Any trends that? that yeah, you I share? mean, you guys are much more of the experts on on this. But from from what I see in 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 how I deal in, in online, I mean, video is it? Video is it? People, people, you got to stop writing. And I've I've had to learn this too. You got to stop writing paragraphs. People don't read anything online; they scan it. So you've got to write, in in order to be heard or absorbed, you got to write for the scanning eye, not for the reading eye. Video, that's why video is so important. But I don't know what the technology is, but I know, John and I have touched on this before. Eventually, you you will search within video, meaning there won't need to be any captions anymore because when you search for made for profit, right? And someone mentions it made for profit in a video, you'll just go right there. That's my guess. That's my big, you know, in the future. That's where it has to go searching, you know, video. I don't know how, I don't know how they do it. Somebody at Google's already working on it, I'm sure. But, um, so, (laughs) but the other thing that, that I see that I think people are kind of making a mistake at is you have to own your own stuff. You have to, because Instagram will change. Facebook will change. If you will pay to play on these platforms, right. And don't get pissed off about it because it ain't your platform, man. It's Instagram's. They own it. Like, and if you don't own your own stuff, if you don't have a way of, of having that on your own platform, whether it's your own website or whatever, but that's, that's never changed, right? That's, that's all, that's just good business, digital business sense. Like you need to own your stuff. You need to have um, your own platform. That doesn't mean you don't use these things, but Instagram will change. And just like Facebook changed, how it's always changing, Google changed their algorithms and, and all of those things are going to constantly change. So play in those spaces, but own, own your own stuff. And um, lastly, the, a trend that, I, uh, that I'm seeing in, in contractors were notoriously 10 to 20 years behind technology. You have to realize that, and I saw this article, I thought it was great, like the largest, and I'll probably get these statistics wrong, but the largest taxi company, 
doesn't own a taxi. The largest real estate, you know, uh, or hospitality company doesn't own any real estate. I'm talking about Uber and Airbnb, right? Um, Netflix, right? You, you don't you don't pay to watch a movie. You pay for the access to watch movies, like on demand services, apps, and automation. If that's not part of your construction company, if your construction company doesn't have an app, you don't. I mean, you won't. And I even said this in a speech last week that I gave. You're not going to have to meet a homeowner in their house, at their house or on their project or their property or whatever anymore. They're going to go out there with their cell phone and shoot a video. It will be rendered in 3D to your, you know, to your iPad, complete with dimensions, specifications, and their selections that are linked to Pinterest and house and all these other things or house. And if you can't quickly turn that around and sell them on your process and what you can do for them, you're going to, you're going to lose out on business. That's where it's going because all of these millennials and their kids, all they've ever known is apps and automation. They, you've got to be, you've got to be at least looking in that, in that space, whether you're a maker or a builder or whatever, how can you make, how can you make your services on demand? Cause that's what everybody's buying now. Everything's a subscription based and on demand. So that's, that's kind of what I see. That I, I think those are those are right up there, and it's it's interesting. So in in my I kind of talk about this. So you know I kind of grew up. I saw the internet come to life. You know, and we're we're fairly close in age. So same thing. And it's like so I, I kind of have my my toes on both sides of the water and seeing it. But then my boys, I was just telling John the other day, uh, my boy was playing like a game on his his Kindle Fire, and uh, he was you know it's just like something where you just had to touch your finger on the screen. And he was just like flying through this thing and he's nine. And uh, I grabbed it and I was like, give me that son. I want to play this game. And like, you know, he, he went through like whatever, a minute and a half of this obstacle course. <laughs> I got to the first obstacle and it took me eight times to get over it. You know, it's like, it, it was like literally just tapping my thumb on the screen. And so, you know, I've, I like, that was kind of an eye opener for me of like how, you know, for one, just the young mind and, and two, like how much, how quickly that it can go, you know, and, and things change and, you know, it's, it's not a eight bit pong anymore. Yeah. So it's, but, <laughs> it's, but like scale. you said, there, there's always going to be a market. There's always a market for nostalgia. So for example, my photographer that shoots a lot of my, uh, my headshots and he shot all of my construction stuff when I had my businesses, like he's a very well known photographer in this area, does great stuff. And he's going back to shooting on film because everybody's shooting digital, right? And so now he's, you know, that niche has come back around. Same, same thing with like, you know, you mentioned the video games. Like I cannot play Halo with my kids. I just run around <laughs> and just die and die and die, right? But we, they bought me for Christmas. Now every video game that I played as a kid plugs in. It comes in one little yeah, yeah, box yeah, yeah. and it's shaped like a Pac-Man. Yep. You know what I'm talking about with it's the one little story right stick? now. <laughs> yeah, we we plugged it into the TV, just the red, white, and yellow cables or yep. whatever. Two buttons. Um, yep. And we play yeah, we played that and I was just like I was like, they were like, oh dad, we're gonna kill you. And I was like, boys, let me show you how dad played <laughs> yeah, Galaga. Exactly. All right. And you know, when I when I scored like twenty thousand points, they were just blown away. So all that to say is that you know, contractors were notoriously behind the technology, but there will always be a market for craftsmanship. There will always be a market for handmade quality stuff, but your customers are never going to know about it unless you're showing that 
through your apps, through your automation and through these online portals that you, again, that you need to own, right? I'm not saying that, we, you know, craftsmanship is going to take a back seat. Um, but in the future, craftsmanship is innovation. Yeah, I, I love that. And, and man, you've hit us with just an amazing amount of knowledge already. But one thing we like to ask is, you know, if you if you're going to give somebody, uh, you know, one piece of advice, whether they're just starting out or somebody young in the trade, uh, what would be you know something to to leave our audience with a little nugget of knowledge for those guys who are who are just getting started and, and gals who are just getting started or are kind of just thinking about going down this journey. You know, what's what's that one piece of advice you want to leave them with? I would I would say um, I think John would agree with this um, is to get a mentor, and I'm not talking about hiring someone like me that's a professional. I didn't start out there, but like books. Like I had, I'm always, I'm always talking and helping my clients with their budget. But when it comes to online, you know, online resources, courses, uh, especially audio books and podcasts, much like, like you guys are mentors to a lot of people out there, start there, get a mentor. And it doesn't have to be a person. It could be a book. Like I've been mentored by hundreds of people that I'll never, ever meet in my life because I read their books. And so that's the, that's the easiest simplest, most executable thing, like just start reading, just start consuming content from people that you would consider mentors, even though you never meet them. Like Gary Vee can be your mentor and is a mentor for a lot of people. You guys are mentors um, for a lot of people. Every book out there can mentor you. And it, it doesn't have to be a business book. It could be a history book. It'd be a biography. Um, but that's what I tell people is you want to get really, really good at business every solid business leader I know, they just read or they consume information, they absorb information. So that's the one piece of advice I would, I would give. The second piece of advice before you go out and break out on your own, be the best employee. If you're working a job, be the best employee that you can be, right? So a lot of people get disgruntled and, and want to leave their job. And I say, nope, turn that around. You know, there's some toxic work environments and all that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about that, but be the best employee that you can be, learn the most, and you'll get the most opportunities from your employer. And then you can take that experience and be light years ahead of other people that just said, oh, I can do this better. Love it. I love it. I mean, so for all of you that want a little bit of perspective, I think Sean, what'd you read? 52 books last year? Uh, no, that's been the goal. I, I got 30. <laughs> I got, I think I got, I got 26 in 2016. I got 30 some last year and I'm trying to get 50, 50, 52 this year. In, incredible. And I mean, you, everyone thinks that I consume a ton of content. I mean, Sean's the, the, the reason I do. Um, and I think that's a great piece of advice. I, I absolutely love that man. Has it been a an adrenaline rush and a kickstart <laughs> of of um of emotion and just an awesome experience having you on the show man um i you know you and i chat a lot um and you've been a massive influence on my life uh but but this has been amazing dude i really was want to you know reach out and say thanks for for coming on here and and enlightening the people a little bit man i i just so appreciate this opportunity and just love hanging out with you guys and so um so yeah thank you and and to anybody in your audience uh, I'm out there like just on Instagram. Yeah, people, people see my website, like my phone numbers right there. Send me a text. Don't call me. Yeah. My wife will well, kill I think me. That's incredible you all part call of me, but <laughs> like- <laughs> send, send me a, send me a text. If you got questions, that's, that's, I'd love, 
I, I have the best job in the world. I get to pe- I get to help people change their businesses and their lives and uh, whatever I can do to help anybody out. Then, uh, yeah, just reach out to me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sean. It was, it was great talking to you. And uh, I know the audience is going to be just like repeating this and being like, what did he just say? <laughs> what did <it> take? <laughs> Taking notes. So it's going to be an awesome episode. Thanks a lot, brother. John, I can totally see why you've been going on and on about Sean for all this time. Dude, wow. His insights were just like spot on. I'm pumped. Like, I just want to like stop recording and go start planning my business like now. I know, dude. It's like every time I speak to him, I am. I'm just super inspired. Um, Sean is great. He's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the back end of business, as well as growing in a digital space, which I find amazing because we're both doing the same things he is with his business um, in the digital spectrum. So he's been a game changer for me and myself. I loved this episode. This was so much fun. um, And I really know that all of you guys out there will love it as well. Absolutely, guys. So again, go check him out. We're going to have links down in the description to Sean's site as well as uh, as well as his his freebie there, the paperwork punch list, uh, and go check him out. But we right now, what we're going to do is go check out uh, and check in on our patrons. We're going to go into our patron after show. Uh, again, if you want to be part of that, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit, and you can join in on all of the fun and goodness over there. All right, guys, we will talk to you next week. So thank you guys for checking out the show. If you'd like any more information, you can head over to madeforprofit.com. We'll have our show notes as well as our email list subscription you can sign up for. There you'll receive tips of the week as well as all of our other actionable content. If you're digging the show, we'd love to get a five-star review over on iTunes and we would greatly appreciate that. If you have any other questions or suggestions, you can email us at madeforprofitpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love any of your input as well as any of your future show topic suggestions. You can hit us up on Instagram at Made for Profit, where we will be answering your questions and giving out tips to help you grow on your own social networks. So once again, we really want to thank you guys for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode. <laughs>